Welcome to the Gateway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in to this week's message. Preston recently asked me, he said, hey, I want you to wrap up the year and start the year with a message uh, from your book. And I'm like, okay. And so... um, kind of give you a little setup of how this happened. 18 years ago, my wife and I were pastoring in Nashville, Tennessee, and the church we pastor is called Christ Church. It sat on 66 beautiful rolling acres of Tennessee hillside trees. It was gorgeous. On the back side of the church property, we had a fairly large cemetery And one of the staff came to me and said, uh, hey, we're starting a new initiative. We're building a whole new area of mausoleums. We'd like for you and Pam to to purchase the first one. (laughs) Like, do you know something I don't know or what's going on here, you know? And he said, no, 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 no. He said, it's going to be really amazing. It's going to have a round drive that's going to go up the side of the hill. It's going to come around. So we're going to line it with trees landscaping there's gonna be places to go and sit it's all all the mausoleums will be made out of marble and we'd like you to just pick one out and like okay hadn't thought about that but i like the idea it sounds like something out of house beautiful or you know architectural digest something wow if you want to go that's where you need to go but uh, I said, so what are we doing here today? He said, well, I'm going to show you the plots, and I'd like you to pick where you would like for your mausoleum. And he said, it's, it's really simple. Just you pick the place. And he said, then I'll need you to pick out the style of marble that you want. And I said, that sounds fairly simple. And I said, what else? He said, oh, it gets easier. He said, the rest of it is pretty much given. He said, well, we're just going to put your name across the top, and then we're going to put your name and then put Pan's name here. And he said, we do all the engraving on the, on the, on the marble in advance. He said, we're going to do your name. We're going to put uh, your names up there. Then we're going to put your, your birth date. And he stopped. And, and he said, and we'll do the other later. <laughs> the, the other? And that's where this book came from, Life in the Dash. 18 years ago, I experienced what it hit me is that I was living my life in that one inch that was going to be engraved inside that marble. That's where I was at. You see, it's pretty simple on a tombstone. There's usually several pieces of information that are pretty simple. Like I said, name. And then he asked me, he said, I want you to write your epitaph. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Uh, I haven't thought much about that. What, do I, what is that short phrase that encapsulates my life? And he said, you know, I'll take a couple weeks and just think it through. And I thought, wow, that's going to be harder than I thought it was. He said, of course, we'll put the two dates on there. The one we know and the one we don't know. And it hit me that on that tombstone, there's that one inch that that's where life's at. And oh, the life in the dash. Life in and of itself exudes hope, challenges, grand possibilities, opportunities. 
But we know one thing about our lives, about our dash, that it is a vapor. James 4 says, but you do not know what will happen tomorrow. You do not know. Your life is like a mist. You can see it for a short time, but then it goes away. Now, before you think this is a Debbie Downer message, it is not. In fact, I'm going to be calling you out to step into the dash that God's given to you in 2023. We don't know how long any of us have, but we know at best it's temporary. Richard Needham said that there are seven ages of man. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. And I thought that's exactly what life is all about sometimes. We have that birth date. It's an exciting time in our lives when we came into this planet and the beginning of a dream took place. And have you ever thought that we all start off with basically identical clothing? We're buck naked. We have no bragging rights. We're ball headed, toothless. You take a 65-year-old man that's bald-headed and toothless, you don't say, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> but with babies, we do. We're a blank canvas that something is going to be painted on. The birth date is the start of what can be, and it's a date that we celebrate annually. You have a birth date, whether you admit it or not, you still have a birth date, and you're celebrating it in one way or another. But there's that, after the dash, there's that other date that you don't know about. And Hebrews 9.27 says, it's an appointment. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. I don't know about you, but that's the one appointment I live by my calendar. And we have a class coming up talking about how to master your calendar, but it's the one appointment that I don't have on my calendar, and that's that I've got my birth date next year, but I don't have a death date. We know it's an appointment. It's been appointed unto us, but God keeps the appointment book. And here's the challenge with the idea of, of even talking about a death date is the fact that maybe in the last couple of years, this reality has set into you because of the loss of someone that was close to you. When I wrote this book, we had had two of our young adults at Christ Church that were on their way to Baylor University to a conference, and they'd taken two vans from the church, and on the way down there, one of the vans was involved in a fatal accident, and we lost two of our young adults that were very involved in ministry. Their dash was done. My question today for you is how are you going to spin your one inch between your birth date and that next date? What will your dash look like in 2023? 
Tom Heyman wrote a book called In an Average Lifetime, and he says that the average American spends three years in business meetings, 13 years watching TV, $89,281 on food. We consume 109,354 pounds of food. We're going to make 1,811 trips to McDonald's. We're going to spend $6,881 in vending machines. We're going to eat 35,138 cookies. Some of you broke that record this week. (laughs) You're going to eat 1,483 pounds of candy. You're going to catch 304 colds. You're going to be involved in six motor vehicle accidents. Those of you attorneys, you've got a lot to look forward to. You're going to be hospitalized eight times for men, 12 times for women. You're going to spend 24 years of your life sleeping. That's what goes on inside your dash. Well, my question is, what do you want your dash to be like? I want to submit to you that I believe biblically I I can back this up. Every single one of us in this room were born with destiny. We were born with a destiny. And inside the dash that has been given to us, that destiny, we have a choice whether we step into it or whether we avoid it. Jeremiah 29, 11 is a verse that a lot of people use, but I want you to listen closely again. It says, for I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. Here's something else I know about you. You have destiny, but you're an original. Every one of us from birth, I believe, have a divine plan that's placed on our lives. David said it this way in Psalm 139, verse 13. He said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. It seems that biblically that the characters that we read about in the Bible, that they all had destiny on them. And yet when we read their stories, we don't find anybody except for... Jesus, that lived lives of perfection. Some of the people that we look to characters of the Bible, they they had challenges in their life, but there was a destiny placed upon them. Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25, the Lord said to her, Rebekah, the mother, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. And the older shall serve the younger. And you know the story of Jacob and Esau, but notice there was a destiny placed on their life. Samson, the strong man of the Bible, in Judges 13, it says, As for for the son you will conceive, speaking to Manoah and his wife, that son you're going to conceive and bear, no razor shall touch his head, for this boy is to be consecrated to God from the womb. It is he who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the power of the Philistines. Now, some of you that remember your Samson stories from being in Sunday school knew that Samson 
didn't always live a life of excellence or perfection. He made some bad choices, but from the time he was born, notice there is a destiny placed on him that says he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the Philistines. And he did. David, in Psalm 22, says, I was thrust upon you at my birth. You've been my God from the moment I was born. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus, speaking to Zechariah and Elizabeth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. This is speaking of John. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. There was a destiny placed upon these individuals in the Bible. What are you doing with your dash? See, I believe that in this service this morning, that there could be an awakening to possibly areas that the Holy Spirit's going to bring alive and quicken inside of you and say, I called you into this. I asked you, I separated you for this. I put that inside of you. I put that dream inside your heart. I gave you that invention. I gave you that business idea. What will you do with your dash? Are we excusing our lack or enjoying the fruit of the potential that God has for us? Are we blaming our pedigree of why we've not got there yet or are we resting in the hope of tomorrow? See, many times we have excuses of why we've not stepped into or we have not yet seen or why it's not yet come to pass. And we use these things as excuses. Number one, where we were born. Who we were born to. The socioeconomic climate that we were born into. Which side of the tracks did we live on? Religious or non-religious? Dad or no dad? Divorced or no divorce? You take those and you couple that with mistakes in our lives. It almost seemed like that no matter what the destiny was, we doomed ourselves because we just didn't get a fair shake coming out of the chute. But what if the happenings in your life were God setting you up for the fullest potential because he wanted you to see that what he had in mind for you was greater than what you could ever have in mind for yourself. Our mistakes of our past either become an anchor to hold us back or they become a rudder to steer us in the right direction in our future. We so quickly forget that call, that mandate, that birth moment that we had. One of my life verses is Ephesians 2 and 10. It's kept me focused in life when things in my dash did not make sense. I want to read it to you. For we are God's masterpiece. Now I want you to do something that may be a little uncomfortable, but I want you to look at the person next to you, and I want you to tell them you are a masterpiece. Do it right now.
That felt a little awkward if you didn't know them, didn't it? Felt a little like, really? I can, I can say something like that? You mean I can, I can mouth those words? Didn't it sound like a little arrogance? No, let's read the whole thing. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the things He planned for us long ago. The word masterpiece in the original Greek is the word poema, from which we get our English word poem. Let me do it with my name and you insert your name, but it becomes a little more real when you read it this way. Phil, you're God's poem that he's writing even now. He created you anew through his son Jesus so that you could do the things that he had planned for you a long time ago question is am I stepping in to the destiny of my dash you see in every one of our dashes we've made mistakes but do we allow our mistakes to hamstring us and miss the promise or do we grow from those mistakes, purposing not to repeat the episode again? Let, let's say that 2022, some mistakes were made. I guess my question is, do you want a repeat performance of 2022, or do you want to step into the dash that God's prepared for you in 2023? There's a verse that we quote a lot, but we don't quote the whole thing. It's Romans 8, 28. And we know that God causes everything. It doesn't say, and we can speculate, that about 85% of the stuff that happens in our lives. No, no, no. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. And we stop there, but that's not the stopping place. There's a caveat, two of them, that comes after that. We know that God is going to cause everything to work together, but... There's two things he asks of me, and that's this, for those who love God, and number two, are going to be called according to his purpose for them. In your dash right now, what purpose are you living for? Whose name is being exalted? We know that God causes everything to work together. Mistakes. Jesus brought out a situation in John chapter 8 where the Pharisees, which were the religious people of that day, brought a woman that they had caught red-handed in the very act of adultery. I love the way we sanitize Scripture when we read stuff like that. And we read it quickly. And, you know, like, for example, the, the Pharisees brought this woman caught in the very act of adultery to, to Jesus. I mean, have you thought about that? And, and don't go too far. But, I mean, they, this wasn't like a, a malicious rumor that was floating around on the Internet. This wasn't like speculation. 
It says that she had been caught in the very act of adultery. My question was, where was the guy? I've always wondered that. Was he just faster on his feet or what? Because this lady was caught in the act of adultery. These religious people are now bringing this woman that her dash has now been compromised because she's committed adultery. Catch the picture. Notice how we like to sterilize that and make it sound like, oh, it's just a bad thing that happened to her. No, she compromised the situation of her life because of this adulterous thing that a religious group of people had caught her in, and they said, now let's take her to Jesus and let's see what he does. John 8 and 7, they kept demanding an answer of Jesus. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned, throw the first stone. Jesus does not minimize what had happened. He's not reversing biblical decisions about sin. He's saying, be careful how you point out somebody else's failures in the process of making yourself look better. Verse 9, when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? They caught you in the very act. But didn't one of them stay and condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And here's some of the most romantic language you'll ever hear out of our Savior. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. You see, your dash, that unknown period of time that's been afforded to each of us, how many years do you have? None of us know. The important concept is, what are you doing with the life that you have right now? We can wallow in the failures of our past, or we can turn them into stepping stones into our future. What are you doing with your dash? There's a Latin term that you've seen and heard before. It's called carpe diem. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. And in my mind, this change of from the 31st to the 1st, to the, from the December to the January to this on my calendar, I can no longer use a 2022 because it's now outdated. It's a reference point. It doesn't tell me where I am. It tells me where I've been. And there's something happens in my mind that at the beginning of the year, I always try to say, where am I at right now? Am I seizing the moment in my life? Life is not over. 
I still have breath. That means I still have hope. Am I seizing the moment? I love what Irma Bombeck, the comedian, said. She said, remember all those women on the Titanic who waved off the dessert cart? Will you have a dessert? No, I'm watching my weight. How'd that work out for him on the Titanic? Seize the moment. What is there that is yet for you to accomplish? What is it that's been planted inside of you from a youth? What God idea have you abandoned for a life of doing it your way? Maybe it's time in 2023 to allow God to start coloring outside the lines and awaken His dreams, His creativity, His desires, His purpose in your life. In 2023 here at Pillar, you're going to hear us talk a lot about three things. Healthy hearts. Getting our hearts right. Not just physically, but spiritually. Getting our hearts right. Because out of our heart flow the issues of life. Second thing is healthy homes. Because what happens in your home is what determines the legacy that goes before you and what follows behind you. And then last, healthy habits. just want to say how proud I am for those of you that on this first day of the year showed up. Something happens when we gather his family horizontally together and we come with an open heart and allow vertically him to invade in holy moments. And I believe between now and the end of this service, there's going to be some holy moments that some of you are going to experience. Some of you are living your dash and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Like you know you really need to. You've been following from a distance. And he's asking you to step in to the dash that he's called you into. In my book, one of the things I ask you to start doing and we have just a few available between last night and this morning. We just about sold out. There's a table out there, and you're welcome to grab one. They're $5 and just go to the cafe and pay for it. But I ask you to start writing your own epitaph. Write your own epitaph. And I help you walk through looking at the priorities of your life right now. What do you want to be said about you then? that you start working on now. Have you ever gone to a funeral and you hear people talking about that individual and says, am I at the right place? How do I live my dash now that when it's over, I have already by faith stepped into everything during that period of time that God asked me to live? 
In the process of writing your epitaph, I ask you to use Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Living life in my dash with intentionality. Jesus, knowing his hour of greatest sacrifice and greatest achievement, was getting very close the crucifixion. One of the most cruel punishments known to the world was crucifixion on a cross. Knowing that was getting close, did Jesus run from it? He said he could have called legions of angels, but John 12 says, Jesus praying, he says, Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? No. This is the very reason I came. January 1, 2023, God wanted you to be here right now in this place because he's not through with you. But he is trying to awaken where is your dash at this morning. James 4, we read it in the beginning. You have no idea what your life will be like tomorrow. You say, that sounds scary. No, because I know who holds tomorrow. You are a puff of smoke that appears briefly and then disappears. I pray that this message awakens something inside of you to say, I want to live my life with intentionality. No one ever steps out of their job and says, I wish I'd worked more hours. I wish I'd have traveled more and been gone from my family. I wish I could have wore my business dress all the time my business suit. Most people say, I wish I'd have ran barefooted more. I wish I'd have spent more time with my kids. I wish I'd have dated my wife more. What are you doing with your dash? Did you bow your head? I'm asking in this moment with no distractions, could you just have a dash reflection moment? A dash reflection. I want you to look back, not with shame, not with any type of guilt, but with the Holy Spirit just guiding you and leading you and saying, where have you been? Now let's reflect the other way. Where are you going? Where are you going? What will you do with your life in the dash? Again, I want to quote one of my life verses. Ephesians 2 and 10. For I am God's masterpiece. He created me anew in Christ Jesus. So that I can do the good things that He planned for me long ago. Thanks for joining us today. 
For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at gatewaylife.com. Have a great week.